Welcome to the Astrocast, a monthly podcast from numinous resident astrologers Bess Matassa and Sandy Citron. Hi, welcome to Scorpio season. It's Bess Matassa. And hello, this is Sandy. And we are the resident astrologers for the Numinous. And each astrological season, we dive into all of the transits, the major aspects of the season ahead, and give you some celestial snacks and ponderings um, for your next astrological season. So to start off, Sandy, let's let's do a little review on Libra season. This has been your season, your <laughs> like mega birth season. Um, how's it been for you? It was, um, well, I got married in Virgo season. So this was my first month as a married person, which is very appropriate for Libra season since Libra rules marriage and the contract, making some kind of contract as part of your relationship with someone. So it was all about balance and getting to partner and get to know someone who you're legally committed to, which I've never done that before. So it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we had Venus retrograde already going during that. So Venus retrograde is all about reviewing your relationships and, uh, you know, accessing anything from the past that needs to be healed or processed. And so it was cool. We did a little bit of that and... It was it was neat. It was, yeah. I mean, we're still doing it. Always, always continuing that process. But yeah, how was your Libra <laughs> season? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I feel like, and I've said this before, actually probably the past few seasons that we've recorded, that I feel like, I think it was maybe beginning in Cancer season, that it was like, okay, this season I really like learned the true meaning of cancer season or that not not that there's one rarefied meaning and I have access to it, but that the season was presenting itself in a way um, that was very distinctive from past astrological seasons that I had experienced. And the same was true this year, um, 2018, of Libra season. And I feel like Libra energy is one that has kind of eluded me. Um, and I think, you know, par- partially from a personal perspective, I have Libra rising, but it's really been a huge growing edge for me because the rest of my chart is all in fire. Um, So it's always seemed like when it's happening to me, when that energy is happening to me, it's either getting like, I'm getting knocked over the head by it and it's very obvious and I'm struggling to kind of rise to meet it or it's happening kind of tacitly and I don't even, I don't even, not even quite aware of it. But this Libra season, I have to say the word and it wasn't even clarity is not even quite the word, but the verb or the whatever the ing verbs are called, clarifying. Um, and it felt like when I when I thought of that word and felt into the season, it it kind of reminded me of. Um, do you remember 1006? It was like a face cleansing product no. in like the 90s. Don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of these things like Clearacel or like one of these like Noxima. kind of... Noxema. Yeah, that would be in like Seventeen Magazine or whatever in like Tiger Beat. Um, 1006. <laughs> and it was like an astringent, you know. And since then, I think we've learned that those kinds of astringents are actually quite bad for your skin. But it was like a toner and an astringent. And I remember thinking, especially in the throes of like teen acne, 
like, oh God, this is like what I need to put on my skin. Like this feeling of, of being cleansed or stripped away or whatever. Anyway, Libra season felt kind of like 10.06 to be or like an astringent. There was a necessary stripping and it was almost like, I feel like we're going to get into it when we speak about Scorpio season two, because there's almost this like role reversal that's been happening with Venus retrograde in its opposite. Like during Libra season, it was mostly in Scorpio. And now in Scorpio season, it's going to be mostly in Libra and that kind of like changing of partners. Um, But there was something, there was definitely something confronting about this Libra season. And it felt like bones kind of snapping into place and like an astringent on the face. And, (laughs) but things that was like, there was a level of maturity that I felt like ready to ready to kind of reckon with like the things that were coming up and were confronting or being sloughed off felt like okay I'm ready to like own this this thing that I don't want to do in this old way anymore whatever the thing is so it was kind of a necessary confrontation I felt you know and there were lots of like ways in which that manifests yeah strip and dip yeah into (laughs) Scorpio season (laughs) with a little old school harsh uh acne teen acne yeah uh, product oh man yeah um yeah but it but it kind of there was a refreshment in it too like a face mask kind of quality you know and you just strip it like a Biore pore strip (laughs) or something like that right So we're moving from Libra season, which Libra is an air sign, which is about this like conscious clarity. And now we're going to dip into the wetness and the murkiness of Scorpio season. So what's your uh, symbol for the Scorpio season? (laughs) Yeah, I love the beginning of these um, discussions, Sandy, because we don't, you know, we don't like discuss what was firing for us initially and then it's like this crazy mashup of life worlds and then we kind of break it down this one there were two really clear kind of images or cultural associate associations that fired for me here and i didn't immediately or initially see how to relate the two to one another but anyway we'll we'll get into it and the first was the letter and if you don't know this letter, you can like very easily Google it by just typing in the phrase, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And this is a letter, letter that ran in the New York Sun that was written by a very young child named Virginia to like letters to the editor of the Sun in I think it was the late 1800s, like right around the turn of the century. And basically, it's a little girl, <clears throat> excuse me, inquiring you know, saying basically she'd heard at school or from her friends that Santa Claus wasn't real. And she, you know, also knew that her parents read the sun and that they were a source of authority. And could they, you know, she just needed to know, was there actually a Santa Claus? Because she had been hearing a lot of conflicting things. (gasps) And one of the editors from the sun writes her back and it is fucking gorgeous. It's this gorgeous letter about belief and, um, the line between the seen and unseen worlds and basically he says you know yes Virginia there is a Santa Claus and here are all the reasons like why you know why it's meaningful to believe and um, so this was the first thing that kind of came through Whoa. and then the second thing was the scene in Boogie Nights in the movie Boogie Nights where um, Mark Wahlberg's character like initially goes to Burt Reynolds house like it's right in the beginning of like where he's like entering the porn industry and getting like really turned on by like, you know, becoming a star. And it's the scene around the pool. And 
it's totally obviously it's problematic on a lot of levels people are like flagrantly abusing drugs i mean problematic whatever it's there's no judgment on it but there's a lot of things going on at the party that are like (laughs) you know like violent and excessive and all sorts of things but there's also this pure pleasure in it you know and so i started thinking about um basically all of the fixed signs and this is our first fixed season scorpio season since leo season and so the fixed signs leo taurus aquarius and scorpio um the fixed signs being about ownership and ownership of their of the kind of like the pleasure in the experience and i think sometimes we lose that in scorpio energy when we talk about like going deep or like penetrating or like Mm. going beyond the veil or we've got to go hard or we've got to like rip away the you know the sense of like delusion or whatever it is but that there can also be like a pleasure in going hard and a pleasure in penetrating and so that's where i think like the hot tub pool party boogie nights image came from and then as we're going to get into mercury and sagittarius and mars and pisces um the yes virginia there is a santa claus this kind of like idea about of like fighting for our right to choose magic and to choose to infuse meaning in our lives you know, not even despite, but alongside all of the intensity and all the kind of muck. So those were yes. the, those were the two the two things well, that came through. Speaking of muck, <laughs> <laughs> my symbol for this, um, the thing that came through was a big puddle. <laughs> so I went right for the muck, and um, but this is dynamic. So to explain it a little bit more. You know, the puddle, maybe this puddle is fixed and kind of deep. Maybe, like, this puddle, somebody's splashing it, but for some reason, like, the puddle isn't going away, you know? Okay. So here I'm thinking about Uranus and Taurus and the erratic kind of splashing of the puddle and things getting shaken up, the water getting moved, but it continues and nothing like things are changing but not changing like the puddle isn't going away but maybe things are getting muddy Mm. and and something is happening it's dynamic but it's also continuing and then to tie in some more with this puddle because why not just kind of (laughs) dilute this metaphor as much as i can or flash it around (laughs) as much as i can this Jupiter moving into Sagittarius and Mercury in Sagittarius, like just the feeling of like kids jumping in puddles and how fun that is and how fun it is to get dirty, how fun it is to like, like let everything go and like fly. Why is that so fun, right? It's everything you're not supposed to do. It's exuberant. It's buoyant. It only can happen at certain moments, you know, when it rains. And then it's like, let's make this otherwise boring thing being stuck inside on a rain day, really like wild and exploratory and vibrant and upbeat and just fun. And so I don't have any advice about any of that, but you know, maybe if I was going to try to make some up, it would be like remembering that you can take whatever the muck is and like splash around in it and try to make it fun and that could be pretty available since Jupiter is moving into Sagittarius and we're having um we will you know we're starting out with all of these fixed signs at the beginning of Scorpio season there's a lot of fixed stuff going on 
Um, and then and then it starts, you know, Mercury is going to move into Sagittarius and Venus retrograde is going to move into Libra and some of the uh, personal planets are going to start to uh, lighten up a little bit. So, so yeah. 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 I love this image of the, like, splashing in the puddle because it makes me think also of, like, the image of mud wrestling or the image of, I remember oh, yeah. I had, like, a toy when I was a child that was, like, some kind of goop and you would fill these like animal bodies with they weren't animal bodies but like creature bodies with like the goop and then you would like smush the bodies it wasn't like as violent so fun it wasn't quite as violent as it sounds like yeah it was what were the bodies made out of they were like a plastic and then you would push the goop into the plastic shell and then you would like compress it and the goop would like splatter everywhere so that there can be there can be something really like juicy and alive because for me the fixed the fixed energy is about that kind of aliveness of all of it and of our animalism and of our mm. primal kind of nature. I mean, Aquarius obviously is a little bit of an outlier in that conversation, but the other <laughs> three, three fixed signs especially are about the the vitality. And it's like, it's like, you know, and we talked about this during Leo season too, but it's kind of amped up, I think, even more in Scorpio season, this idea of like, you know, things are like, like we've got one kind of go around in these bodies, you know, and it's, it's worth like, it's worth getting worked up about, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so I think that there's a, an opportunity during this season, especially with the infusion of Sag energy of getting worked up about it in an intense scorpionic way. But that's also really buoyant and playful, like you're talking about, you know, and this kind of like mucking around in the puddle, you know, with your rain boots and, and being like, damn, it's like good to be here even in the muckiness of the muck and being able to make, realizing that the messiness of any, that anything that's birthed that's exciting is comes out of mess. Yeah. Know? Yeah, speaking of feeling like, hey, it's good to be here and I'm here on Earth, we start out Scorpio season with a full moon in Taurus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just wrote so eloquently, oh, um, you know, this week, which should, yeah, should be up on the... Um, yeah, if you guys are interested in reading about this full moon that's going to be happening on Wednesday, the twenty fourth, you can read the post, um, Sandy's post on the um, on the numinist um, But yeah, tell us a little bit about that post. Yeah, like let's yeah, get it's into not it. a spoiler because <laughs> yeah. you know, you can read it. Yeah. So my so what I do when I write these posts is I try to meditate and. Um, let a vision come through and so this one was really powerful and cool and it was um oh there was a whole build up to the vision I was like in a canoe in this like blue river and then I went to a mountain and this really cool outfit on I held a magnifying glass up to the moon and then in the magnifying glass I saw these two crows that were dancing but they were also really fighting and then they made a heart shape with their bodies Oh my God. <laughs> how do you I mean this is maybe there's no how to but like what is the experience of when you go into those yeah. images um well I am you what I am doing is a shamanic journey in practice that we can all do which is to um imagine yourself use your imagination to go into another dimension so okay. I go I imagine a hole in the ground and I go into the hole. Very scorpionic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And when you do this, of course, you know, this is not me teaching you how to do this. I would like for everyone to go learn how to do this by 
you know, finding a teacher, researching online. I'm just, you know, quickly explaining my process. But if you are going to do this, definitely make sure you're energetically protecting yourself and you have a strong goal in mind. Um, and my goal for this kind of thing would be to bring forward a message about the full moon or the new moon or I do this for the horoscopes too and so it's imagination work and you know the more you practice using your imagination the easier it gets but um I was actually taking a bath while I was doing this so Mm -hmm. that was cool because I was like in the I guess that's very Scorpio Taurus too yeah (laughs) but I was kind of um you know feeling like I was floating a little bit and like a little bit of a sensory deprivation Mm. kind of um feeling not really but you know yeah but yeah you asked what the feeling is but it's like imagining stuff right like yeah okay then what and just seeing where your mind goes yeah um and so this was cool because it was uh i didn't understand at first sometimes i'm like i don't get this what does this mean next right but i try not to do that because it's always symbolic and so i started researching crows and so crows are um in ravens crows and ravens are have been harbinger how do you say that word harbingers yeah harbingers or harbingers harbingers thanks yeah harbingers of death and the ancient for for ancient cultures a lot of cultures saw the raven or the crow as a harbinger of death and so nowadays you might interpret that maybe as change or metamorphosis which is so Scorpio. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, this is totally for this. Right. <laughs> and then the d- fighting and the dancing and the, the like heart felt, the heart part felt very much about the peacefulness that's possible with Taurus mm-hmm. energy. <clears throat> you know, Taurus is about simplicity and harmony and love and beauty. Taurus is ruled by Venus. And so you can really access you know, simple, peaceful life on earth through the lens of Taurus. And so with this Taurus full moon, I think we get a chance to try to emulate what it would be like to react to our environment in a Taurus way, Mm -hmm. which is to react through peace or to react through like a simple, grounded, practical patience Mm -hmm. as opposed to flying off the handle or getting into the the crow fight, or whatever yeah. that would be. Um, but I won't give away too much of the whole article, because <laughs> yeah. you can yeah, just a read it. There's a little you. bit of a teaser, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Taurus and Scorpio, I don't know why this is, but in my mind, well, I guess it's sort of similar with, with Gemini, what I do with Gemini and Sag sometimes, but... Sometimes I really collapse. I mean, Taurus and Scorpio are on what we call polarity together in astrology or they're opposite quote unquote signs, which means they have a lot, you know, of work to do together around kind of central issues, but they tend to kind of go out on little branches for kind of how they're doing that work. But for some reason, sometimes Taurus and Scorpio, and maybe I just like totally fetishize these two signs. This is like my favorite axis, my favorite pair of signs (laughs) in the Zodiac. And I just... Like they just, the word fecund sounds kind of disgusting in many ways, but you know, like the, the a synonym for fertile, but these two signs just feel so fecund to me. They're just like crawling with life and like the life death axis. And I think, you know, like what you're speaking to too, and what you speak to in the post is 
again, like connected to that image of like the pleasure in the pleasure in the muck or the play in the muck. And Mm. also like bringing that sense of like that there is actually something quite stripped down and simple in both Taurus and in Scorpio. I mean, even though the initial act is like penetrating beneath, you know, to get into the inner workings, to get into the not simple at the core, there's something like that happens in the transformative process of Scorpio where we strip down and we strip down and we strip down until the essential, you know, like that jewel that exists in the center of ourselves and that just sort of sticks, you know, like sticks the landing. And I think Taurus and Scorpio both give us the gift of like essence in that way, you know, and this, this like what is actually totally essential and this kind of tunneled, whether it's through the kind of the peaceful, the sort of rose-petaled sensation of a Taurus feeling, or it's through the dark night of the soul kind of struggle to get to the essential in Scorpio. So in many ways, even though this month opens up or this season opens up with this kind of like potential for entrenchment, there's a potential, I feel like, you know, that you speak to so lovingly in the full moon post to be with that in a different, in a different way, you know. That's just so great. I've never thought about it that way. And it's so true. This essential piece that through Scorpio, you're digging to try to get to the heart of what really matters emotionally. And in Taurus, you're trying to be present to what really matters on the earth plane. And they're both the same. I never thought about it like that. That's so beautiful. And they like give us this gift of like presence that's Mm -hmm. really like ultimately the fixed signs and especially these two it's like there's nothing we need to really do or agitate or it's like literally just let ourselves spill over yeah with this essence especially taurus to do that you've got to slow down yeah that's the thing with the fixed signs right the pace is so much slower than our current earth lean human pace our Earthling, at least in America, especially in New York, yeah. <laughs> pace is so fast. And to get to the essence of what really matters, you have to sit. Oh my God, on Wednesday, I'm going to do a 10 day silent meditation. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I planned it, I did not even. Yeah, for the full moon. I didn't, yeah, for the full moon. I did not think that this was. I knew what the dates were, but I wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to be Scorpio season. Right. This is why I'm doing this. I'm going to go sit by myself. And I won't be by myself. I'm going to go sit silently for 10 right. days. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll be crying and all this stuff is going to come up. But, you know, for all of us, I think taking a little time out to see what's there. Yeah. And to feel like on a very deep kind of sensory level. I mean, we're coming off of pretty cardinal, cardinal ass time, you know, Mm -hmm. like for a while now, there's been like a lot of cardinal action, you know, and the cardinals and the mutables, they agitate, they move in different ways, you know, like whether it's spiralically or more linearly, like, like cardinal signs, but there's a sort of entrenchment in the fixed signs that sometimes we have to talk about how to come ungripped or how to unstick or how to kind of goad the fixed signs into quote-unquote action. But in this season, I feel like it's a real balm. You know, the embodiment of these signs can be a real balm to just be like, nothing to do, nowhere to go. Like, what does it actually feel to just sort of root into the into your own presence you know? mm, I love mm-hmm. that I love that um I'm gonna zoom out for one sec yeah 
So October 23rd is when this season begins. And Scorpio season is going to go all the way until November 22nd. And this season opens right up with this full moon in Taurus that we've been talking about. So that's on October 24th. And the next topic at hand is the moment that Mercury moves into Sagittarius, which is on Halloween, October 31st. And this is also the same time that Venus, which is retrograde, is stepping backwards into the sign of Libra. Yeah. So (laughs) when I first saw this pair, especially on Halloween, and we've been doing this dance, obviously, you know, in last season we talked about that during Libra season, Venus was retro for most of the time in Scorpio. And now we're kind of like doing the switch, the pass. And, you know, we spoke a little bit as well about um, Libra and Scorpio originally being conceived of as one constellation. Mm. And the kind of interesting the interesting splitting that that has happened, I think, in a lot of people's consciousness, ex- consciousness, especially around partnership, where it's got to be like healthy and toxic, good and bad. We're having like a good time in love or like, a, you know, whatever it is in relationship <laughs> and maybe like love is not your flow, like romantic love. But however, we're relating to other beings that we're, um, there's this kind of a judging or assessing. And I feel like these two seasons back to back and this kind of like switching up of the Libra and Scorpio energy is really um, challenging us to collapse some of the binary ways or the polarized ways that we've been thinking about relating to others, you know, and kind of assessing like, ooh, was that like a good, you know, was that a good date or a bad date? Or was that like conversation with my friend? Was that negative or positive or whatever the thing is that we're kind of being re-gifted or reminded that relationship is like, we're like gifted relationship to have the the full range of Mm. like it allows us to meet self in the full range of ways and not to deny some of those ways. But I also like when I was, when I looked at the, at, at Sag and Libra, which to me are like the knights in white satin in some ways are like this kind of like very idealized kind of like castle (laughs) crew that come in to like, woo, like infuse this, this really kind of fierce idealism into to bring us out of the muck in many ways, you know, and if we didn't have Sagittarius following Scorpio, which each sign sort of like almost not saves, but carries the, the previous sign forward. If we didn't have Sag right after Scorpio in the Zodiac, we'd get like stuck down in the hole like, for the rest <laughs> of time. We need somebody to like reel us up, you know, but I kept thinking for some reason of the phrase, the reaper becomes the seeker. Um, wow. So like shifting from you know, like the reaper, whatever, the grim reaper into this kind of seeking energy. It's like, I don't know, being curious about the way things die in our lives and then take new forms, you know? I mean, we obviously there has to be grief or there can be, you know, real hard feelings and grieving and around death of any kind, whether it's actual mortal death or, you know, death of forms in our lives, death of relationship in our lives, endings of all kinds, but that there's something that we come like right before the beginning of November, that kind of potent time of, of really reckoning with death in all its forms of these two savior, kind of like very idealized, <laughs> you know, white ponies come in. And I don't know, just to remind us to be curious about how things shift forms, you know, and that we can have our experiences of that, whether it's whether we're going to rail against it and freak out or, or not. Um, but to also just be, to allow a space 
for for curiosity around that, I guess. Yeah, curiosity mm-hmm. is such a good word. Mercury moving into Sag, it's going to be about um, discovering why, why you're doing any of this. So if you were experiencing loss or, you know, down in the muck for some reason or really digging in or obsessing about something or, um, you know, really feeling all these feelings, the Mercury and Sagittarius flavor is going to let you get some perspective on it and understand what your mission with it is and what you want to teach about it, who you need to talk to. And it start, you start to kind of get that fire of well, where are we going with all of this? What's yeah. the next move? Um, it's interesting that then we have an election, which is very, you know, like what's your mission? What do you believe in? What's your cause? we need the fire to go and do something. So it'll be interesting to see where your momentum takes you, whether that's on a personal level or a larger level. Um, There's more, there's more go, there's more fire, there's more fuel in the tank to change something because this is immutable. All of a sudden Mercury rules how you think. So it moves into a mutable sign. So there's more kind of shifting and adapting happening. And then Venus moving into Libra, back into Libra, going back on her retrograde phase. You know, if there were things that you were feeling with whatever relationship, which this could be, as you said, you know, a love relationship or any kind of relationship, maybe now there's words for that. Maybe now you you do the talking. Right. (laughs) You communicate in a way of finding peace, finding harmony. So... This is, you, you get some weeks with this to yeah. <laughs> so try to see like, okay, well, what are the agreements now? Let's make some peace. Let's find some harmony, some diplomacy. So it's a big shift, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And to like also, you know, with Mercury and, and Sagittarius and obviously this whole, this energy will increase, you know, later in the season when Mercury stations retro, which is an invitation to take some of this energy inward and look at kind of internal narratives. But like, I don't know, I mean, this sounds on some level kind of like a a way esoteric out there question, but where does the meaning in your life lie? And like, how do you infuse meaning into your life? You know, and that can be, I mean, it can be as like epic and like super Sagittarian as like, how do you almost narrate your life to yourself mm-hmm. as like, what is your heroic story or what is your story of yourself as like the kind of protagonist of your own existence? But, you know, also where do you find, in many ways this feels very much like a season um, to me of like mining poetics. Like where might have you have lost the poetry mm-hmm. of your life in, in the kind of mundane, in the gray space and whatever? Like where can you almost inject your life with a technicolor shot again and this pack of libra and sagittarius and even scorpio that loves to dig loves to dig to penetrate in that way um how can you recapture that and it might be as as very simple and straightforward as returning to a playlist you know like a favorite playlist and using that to kind of start your day or your commute or it could be as totally you know out there as connecting to archetypes and seeing yourself mirrored at another kind of universal level which is very kind of sagittarian in many ways finding this kind of higher level of truth or meaning um but that there's there's a real 
I don't know, this, it doesn't feel to me like, I think it probably was an airy season we were talking about this idea of the return to innocence and innocence being kind of a complicated word. Um, and there's a certain quality to this season that feels, it's not quite innocence to me, but there's something about choosing to infuse that magic into your existence or choosing to inject that technicolor in some way. Mm. And then Mercury and Sag comes along to um, connect us to that higher meaning, that higher purpose that can start with very everyday poetics. You know? I have the perfect call to action <laughs> for this one. So I'm, I just finished reading this book called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. And it's amazing. It's by a woman named Edwin Gaines. And she has this section that um, I felt, I found it to be really simple and helpful. And it was, uh, her instruction was, look at the world around you, what you know of the world, and find something, you know, just notice what you think is like not working, (laughs) what you think is like a little bit broken or whatever. You know, you could make a list or whatever. Maybe don't get too bogged down in this one. But um, she was like, okay, now decide which of these things you're really interested in fixing. <laughs> like, yeah. what is your, what's your mission in, in these things? Like, which one kind of gets you excited? Which one actually do you feel not, you know, maybe some of them are going to make you angry. Maybe some of them are going to make you disenchanted. But what's the one that you're like, oh, yeah, that one. I could, that's like my thing. And then, you know, decide or figure out or discover, like, is there a way that you could do that and feel like it was fun? Like, if you could kind of start to chip away at this issue in a way where you're just having fun. Like, it's not some big martyrdom thing or some you know, overwrought emotional experience that you're having. You're just like, it's light, it's playful, it's in your wheelhouse. It's like in your skill set. And so you just right. like what you're doing to fix this thing. Right. And I, you know, I liked the way she had that laid out because I was like, oh yeah, well these things, oh yeah, that's the thing I really want to help with. And it was, it just made it so much more simple. And what a great way to think about your why or your mission or your purpose and then kind of boil it down to what you're exactly describing, which is like, this isn't supposed to be, we're supposed to, we're on earth to have a good time, but we can yeah. also help while we're doing it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it's making me think of two things. When you were just speaking about the the why and the mission, I was thinking about the, the way that little kids, when you see them, you know, and sometimes we get all hung up on find your inner child, you know, like get back to childlike behavior. And like, what is that? You know, obviously people have had troubled experiences of being a child. Like that's not to say that, you know, anyway, uh, anyway, I'll just go on with the image. (laughs) Um, But the image of children playing on the beach, if you watch little kids playing on the beach, they're so industrious and they apportion roles. Mm. I mean, sometimes they decide about the roles that people are going to have, like in the building of the sandcastle or the carrying of the sand back and forth, whatever they're doing. But there's almost like a tacit agreement that happens and people just like take on their roles and then they're just, they're, they're off. And it's like for hours, they're like carrying piles around and like one person's like pulling the you know water in and one person's like building this lump and um, like, it's just happening. And it's so like, they found their why and they found it like, as you're saying in their wheelhouse, but there's like great joy in that. It's not like. There's nothing like arduous or like really efforted or it's just like, okay, 
here are the jobs. All right, I see what my job is. Like, go and take the thing. You know, and it reminds me to, I mean, obviously, like, we're not quite in Sagittarius season yet, but we're going to, we're having a Sagittarius hit, you know, this year, um, both through Mercury and then through Jupiter, which is a major occurrence. But, um, you know, Sagittarius energy always reminds me of the never ending story, mm. the, the like 80s kids movie. Um, I think it was 80s, I guess late 80s. But anything like questing like that, you know, and when you look at questing through fantasy, through, you know, child stories or movies, the mission isn't like, oh, my God, like, oh, here, I have to go do what I, you know, like there's a certain amount of you have to step up to to rise to meet it. But there's also a kind of seamlessness or a slipping into it that feels like those kids on the beach where it's like, oh, there's a shovel. Off I go, you know, without without too much struggle, Mm. you know. Yeah. I'm definitely going to watch The NeverEnding Story tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Atreyu and Artex. That's, like, that's some serious I trauma. I don't think I've ever seen it. You have? Oh. I don't know. Oh. Bess and I were just laughing because neither one of us can remember movies. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't remember. I, I only remember those two names and a few things of that movie, but I've had to watch it, like, 50 times, yeah. too. <laughs> but it's a deeply Sagittarian Sagittarian story I feel like in many ways yeah Um, well and so I'm just I don't know why I'm like the segue hunter today I'm finding all (laughs) the segues and you're talking about little kids and um this beautiful illustration of working on the beach and so on uh November 6th we have the north node enter cancer there's a lot going on this this season there really is yeah um North Node in Cancer, I have to say, I'm, I don't know, I've, I'm a little sad to see the North Node in Leo go. Me too. Well, we both have our personal North Node in Leo, and then I get my, I get my personal, my personal pledge to Leonine, <laughs> Leonine energy, as I've already outed on this podcast, but, um, yeah, I, um, what was your feeling, like, when you, what have, what have been your feelings about this shift? Well, you know, one of the things about this is this is our entry into the Cancer Capricorn eclipses, you know, and so that'll be a lot for me and Bess since we're both the the queens of the cardinal signs <laughs> over here. But maybe I'm getting into too much jargon. But yeah. <laughs> I'll try to so the North jargon. Node, yeah, let's break it down. Let's break, <laughs> let's, it. let's break it down. So the North Node is our, you know, is your purpose, the soul's purpose, the collective. When it's when we're looking at the transiting North Node, we can think talk about our collective purpose and what we're shooting for. Shooting for your North, you can remember it by like your North Star and your North Node. That is a, maybe I should have never said that because that's going to be very confusing because <laughs> the North Star is not a thing in astrology. <laughs> but anyway, I'll reel it in. So nurturance is the theme of Cancer, and so how can we love more? How can we be more tender? How can we look at someone else in the coming year or so as the North Node moves through the sign and look at someone and instead of, this is where I go with this immediately, instead of fighting against that person, do see the child within and try to reach people where they are and and take care of each other instead of, um, being on the defensive and so so if we can try to talk to other people in a way we're not putting other people on the defensive however we can do that we're gonna end up with more love flowing 
That's what I think about. What do you think about? Yeah. No, and when you're talking about that, too, I think about its relationship. You know, not that Cancer has any explicit relationship with Venus. You know, it's naturally ruled by the moon. But I do think about this Venus retrograde period as well being this kind of lesson or this incubator for expanding the way that we see our capacity to relate, you know, and Mm. this kind of this way of greater allowing, you know, and later this season, we're going to also have Mars entering Pisces, which is the queen, the the zodiacal queen of allowing in many ways. And so it feels like exactly what you're talking about. When I first was looking, just feeling into this North Node in Cancer, and I know I've probably talked about Enya, like, many times on this podcast (laughs) i feel like enya is yeah i don't know what's going on with enya and i but we have some sort of connection is she kind of Um, like your like musical mother or something i don't know i I think she's some guide to me of some kind because i often like will hear enya songs as like a gateway into feeling into energies anyway um i think about her a lot i'm like i wonder like in kind of moments of where i'm not thinking about anything else i'm like I wonder what Enya's up to right now. Because she lives in this like forti- heavily fortified castle in Ireland, I think alone. Um, and I'm just like wondering what she's up to. But um, I think she's actually a Taurus, but I don't know. Maybe she has some cancer energy in her chart. Anyway, when I was feeling into North Node and Cancer, immediately I was hearing that song. I'm not going to try to sing it, but the Enya song, Orinoco Flow which it's probably like her most well-listened-to song. And the chorus is like, sail away, sail away. So, you know, I'm not going to say but in the Orinoco flow. Um, But there's something in that, in her music and in that song, where there's a force of feeling, you know? And we can say whatever we like about her music or the way, there's something where there's a certain intensity to her music, even though it's this kind of life, you know, magical, whatever world. And it feels like the North Node in Cancer. Cancer is a cardinal sign, but it's a cardinal water sign. But it's like the force of an ocean wave. It's the force of our feelings. It's fighting for our feelings. It's fighting for, to protect ourselves, to protect other people. So there's something about um, this kind of yin-yang interweaving that I feel like is going to go on during the North Node's Um, journey through cancer where as a collective we're being asked to fight for the soft in ourselves you know fight for the softness and what we perceive of as softness and continue to kind of collapse this divide that we have conceived of in terms of strength and weakness or yin and yang or whatever masculine feminine whatever we want to kind of classify as those energies and there's something in Enya's music where you listen to it and if you try to listen without prejudice or without kind of culturally classifying it or associating it. It is that. It is this 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 gorgeous kind of crazy fairy voice. And it's super fucking intense too. And like hardcore. Like it's yeah. hardcore softcore. And I feel like it it makes perfect sense to me or feels feels perfectly aligned to me that the North Node is entering Cancer during this Scorpio season where we're being invited to weave the hardcore and the softcore, you know, um, in a different way. That that it's not just like we've almost like yanged Scorpio in a way where it's like I don't know. It almost feels like the way that we've like culturally we talk about Taurus associated with the bull 
and originally, you know, Taurus is a very bovine. It's a it's a cow kind of as well. And mm-hmm. we've we've like masculinized or yanged Taurus. And in the same way, not that all like both of these energies aren't flowing through all of the signs, but we've kind of like I feel like collectively sometimes we kind of culturally we we birth Scorpio into this land of like totally hardcore and burn it down and badass and whatever and it's like Scorpio is the most one of the most intensely feeling signs of the entire zodiac and it's like fighting for feelings fighting for that place of softness and hardness and everything in between so the north node entering cancer feels very much aligned with with that kind of energy and that sort of collective call I think I have two things to say about that that are both like sidebars. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't say either of them, but I really want do it, to. Do it. Um, one, I think that you have, this is like a prediction that you've made <laughs> without knowing it, that um, the that as the North Node moves through Cancer, Enya is going to have like a nostalgia comeback, like for sure. <laughs> you are on to something. This is like right wait. out of the collective consciousness. Enya is going to be playing in every bar in New York. Oh my like God. it's going to be, it's, yes, this is definitely a thing. And then wait. the other thing that is also a sidebar, but this is fascinating, is that the bull, so you were talking about Taurus and the bull, the bull is often a symbol of femininity because mm. the the silhouette of a bull with the horns looks like a uterus and fallopian tubes. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. So weird, right? Okay, those are my sidebars. Oh, <laughs> I love both of those sidebars. Yeah. Oh, okay, and so also on November 6th, this season is so intense Uranus is on its retrograde cycle is moving back into Aries. And so 2018 is a huge year because Uranus has moved into Taurus. And what's so dynamic about 2018 is that it's going Uranus is going back and forth. It hasn't totally moved into Taurus. It's kind of jostling back into Aries and then eventually it'll go back finally forward into Taurus again. And so this means that when Uranus is going back and forth in between two signs, the already electrifying, shocking, changeable, revolutionary energy of Uranus gets, in the year that it's, it's fully ingressing into the new sign, it's very heightened. And so we're going to get this hit. Huh funny, this is on November 6th, we're getting this hit of really revolutionary, phenomenally shaking, erratic energy. So think again of this puddle and the splashing of the puddle going everywhere in the mud, maybe splashing, that could be one way to think about it. But there's a lot of things that need to be changed. There's a lot of changing energy coming in. Um, personally, this means you might be feeling a little bit electrified. So just go into, you know, the days around November 6th, recognizing that you might be a little bit, <laughs> you know, kind of zappy zippy. And so you may be more prone to reaction. Um, Uranus moving into Aries, we're back in the land of like, um, fireballs and match matches getting struck and hot, hot, hot. So um, we may see some tempers flying. We may also see some decisions being made. People yeah. just really deciding or changing their mind and then really coming to a new, a new moment of like, no, this is who I am. This yeah. is what I believe. 
Yeah, um, it's reminding me of, you know, this week in the first week of Scorpio season, if you're listening to this podcast in this first week, and you look at Sandy's um, horoscopes and the symbols, now I don't remember what sign it was for, but I'm sure you do, um, the symbol of the the running across the car or running something across the oh, carpet yeah. and then the electric shock. Yeah, that was for the moon conjunct Uranus in the Oh, in the that full was moon. in that the was full, in the full, full moon, moon post. post. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was the remind me of okay. the again? So it was um, dragging your feet across right. shag carpeting and and getting a shock of static <laughs> electricity. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of like yeah, to realize that there's kind of an electrical infusion during this time, but to also um, let yourself be invigorated for it mm. or by it. Um, when I was looking at, at Uranus's entry um, or re-entry back into Aries, the one lyric, and it wasn't the whole song, I mean, it's a very Sagittarius song in some ways, but in Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, um, the phrase, we've got one last chance to make it real, to trade on these what is it to trade in these wings on some wheels? And it's something about that feeling and like what you're saying, people making these kind of snap decisions or what it, there's something about the realness, I don't know, like connected to this idea of the fixed signs being about presence and ownership. And there's nothing really to agitate. I'm just sort of showing up in the fullness of myself and spilling over. And then when we have Aries energy, Yes, when we strip it down, there's something pure about the expression. And it's just like, whoop, here I am, you know, the first sign of the zodiac kind of energy. But there is also a forward motion and a kind of a phallic cardinal whatever um, bursting up and out. So there's there's this feeling. And I, I guess just to, to be interested or curious around it, not that you need to like make a decision or not make a decision. There's a prescription around it. But where in your life might you be feeling like there's a last chance or a last shot or like, oh, I got one last chance to make this real or to turn this, you know, to, to ignite this project or to like end or start this relationship or whatever the thing is. And it feels to me like um, just to be curious and to be soft around that and just to feel into what parts of that are just sort of agitated movement for movement's sake and which are kind of more deeply aligned with something that, yeah, there might be like an opportunity coming through to really to make a bold move on something, but it feels also Uranus's re-entry into Aries feels very associated to me with um, Venus's continued retrograde journey because in some ways I feel like Venus's retrograde journey is really about, it's almost like I imagine Venus retrograde as like some sort of, and I know I like totally, alongside Enya, I feel like I beat this image (laughs) into the ground, but some sort of old Hollywood actress. I mean, Venus and Taurus very much feels like that energy to me um, in her boudoir and, you know, after the show or after the spectacle, um, kind of accepting the flowers or accepting the gifts at the door of the boudoir. But with Venus retrograde, I think that we, it serves us to remember that we can be discerning. Like there's something about Venus and learning about receptivity. Yes, but that's an aperture. You know, that's a, the way that we receive, we can open and close the flap. You know, and there's some there's an ability to to choose what comes in. You know, if, if Venus is in one on one level about our our receivership or our our accepting things into our body energetically and otherwise, we also during Venus retrograde have the opportunity to kind of slow 
okay, like what chocolates, what tasties, what things, what people literally are going to penetrate our body or, you know, whatever the thing is or energetically. And so it feels connected to me to this Uranus retro into Aries too, because there's a sense of, um, there's a sense of also like owning the yes and the no in terms of what's coming in. Um, and just, just being, just remembering that you do have, that there isn't just one shot, like, especially in relationship that it's like, it's not going to pass you by. Or there's not like one source of, of income that you can have, or like this person control, you know, this source has to pay you or not mm. pay you, or this person has to give or not give you. And that's like the end all and be all. And just to kind of be aware or to feel into the energy of where you might be gripping around seeing one person or one channel as your source of pleasure or your mm. source of you know, income or sexual pleasure or love or any of the things that are sort of connected to Venus. Yeah. I'm going to riff on that a little, just a tiny bit. Um, I like what you're saying. And it made me think of the seed, like Aries is the spark, right? Aries is the, the seed, the, like the incubation, it's the manifestation. It's your ability to manifest, to say like, this is what I'm creating. And so, um, Focusing, it, it's exactly what you're saying. I think I'm just processing it, so I'm saying it again in a different way. Um, it's like instead of focusing on the result, focus on the seed of what you want. So get into what you want. What's the desire? What's your I am? I am. Uranus and Aries does, you know, for the months that it's going to be in the sign, it does give us a chance to, to radically change the spark of what we're trying to manifest. And so focusing on your, and this might take us right into Mars moving into Pisces, focusing right on your faith and your your ability to know that you can spark something. You don't have to get all caught up in the process of how it happens or how it comes to you, but you can mm. spark something. And if you can just believe in that, that it can just take its own form. Yeah. So maybe I've gone... You know, sometimes I'm like, I just want to talk about manifesting stuff. So I'll use any symbol in the zodiac to make that possible. No, no, that totally, yeah. But it's something around the, yeah, that it's obviously to to maintain consciousness around uh, any place where you're agitating something into being or goading something into being that isn't ready. But I love your imagery around, like, I don't know, it's putting me also in the mind of, well, obviously the mind of... um, like almost a combination in the tarot of that space, almost the space that exists between the fool and the magician, Hmm. you know, where if the fool ruled by Uranus is kind of this pure electrical hit and like leap into unknowingness. And the magician is the meeting is like that DeLorean and back to the future, meeting the lightning strike and putting up the, being able to channel it because there's been some construction. There's Hmm. something in the imagery that you're using around Uranus retro and Aries that's about yeah that there's a certain level of like it's not not consciousness but yeah a certain channeling quality to it where it's just like open wide and not that there can't be consciousness or directing or what do I want to bring into being but it is this this combo of Mars Venus you know of Mars ruling Aries which is an efforting actioning kind of yang planet and Venus as this like 
hole basically of like receiving and there's some mashup going on there in terms of bringing things into being in a new way and we're really primed for it because we've also had that whole freaking summer that was brutal for me and (laughs) sandy and maybe some of you other cardinal kids out there or mars ruled people uh of mars retro you know so we've been really like schooled in the way that we're using power action effort will um, and so this feels kind of like, to me, like the graduation party in some ways of mm. some of that energy, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mars, little sweetie Mars is going into Pisces yeah. once we've like prepped in that way, which is, this is a whole other kind of, um, level of Mars energy. That's interesting to talk about. Yeah. Quick mention. Oh, we've got Jupiter and Sag. Totally. <laughs> I had skipped ahead a little bit. So, so. 11-6, November 6th, Uranus moves into Aries, North Node moves into Cancer, mm-hmm. and then the next day, oh, we yeah. have the new moon in Scorpio. Woo! So, you know, that's like, I mean, here are all the things I say about Scorpio, because I just love talking about Scorpio. Bess, you and I love Scorpio, huh? Yeah, yeah. really. Not everyone does, but we really do. Really, Scorpio and Virgo and Leo. <laughs> well, no, everybody. I mean, I like everybody. Yeah, I like everybody. <laughs> but, um, okay, so a new moon in Scorpio, here's the task at hand. This is about deciding and discovering how much you believe that you are really worthy on deep, deep, deep levels to be able to make yourself vulnerable so that if you decide to trust someone, you can open yourself up to it and merge in some way of intimacy without that scorpion tail zapping anybody or anything. So this is a real task of self-worth and this is where I really link Taurus and Scorpio is around self-worth. Taurus, which isn't relevant in the symbolism, but I'll just say it. Taurus is about like, what what do you think you're worth? And Scorpio is like, can you take your belief of worth and use it so that you can merge with another person and share your emotions? So this is a lot of deep emotional, you know, and you have to release, you have to let go, you have to forgive in some way if it's right, if it's safe to forgive. We could probably spend a whole hour talking about forgiveness. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the B-sides. Yeah. We have to play some Enya for that, though. Get ourselves. Oh, my God, we'll play Enya and talk about forgiveness <laughs> what we think about it. Oh, my God. Um, I love that you're talking about intimacy because I, I feel like, I feel like to me I always think of, like, the two pillars of Scorpio being intimacy and intensity and it's like okay well how do those live and especially when we get really polarized or cartoonish about talking how talking about how hardcore Scorpio is and you know all this reputation about Scorpio being like um, not trusting or whatever the thing is that really stems from the vulner the deep vulnerability that's embedded in this science energy because of the knowingness of everything that exists beyond you know, the kind of surface of human interactions and the journey toward intimacy that happens through first making peace with all of the bits of ourselves, which is what, you know, Scorpio invites us into. And I love that this new moon feels, it feels to me, I don't want to say lighter because that sounds like a qual- a qualifier or like that lighter, that lightness is sometimes 
or somehow hierarchically whatever above darkness, which definitely not what we're yeah, saying. We're not but, into that. Yeah. Like, um, like underbelly, go yeah, there. All of it, all of it, all the organs, <laughs> all the organs and levels. But this is the last day that Jupiter, which has been in Scorpio for what, like a year and a half, almost two years? Um, a year. Oh, year. Last November. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm thinking of Saturn's, the length of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so last November. Yeah. Um, but this has been a long, a long journey. This is the last day that Jupiter's in bananas. Scorpio. It's and bananas. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, have some fucking fun with this energy. It's like, God, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, not to, not to, not to like discard or, or, or belittle or whatever, any intense feelings or, or difficult situations that are coming around, around this new moon, but the new moon, this sense of freshness, it's like, God, like what if, what a freaking chance to to incarnate and to be able to collide with people at all mm-hmm. you know to be able to love someone and maybe lose at mm-hmm. all to be able to um to long for like and there's something in this new moon's energy it's trying um neptune and venus is trying mars um during this new moon so we have this opportunity to say it's all worth it. you know it's worth it like getting rocked to the core by a sensation that's brought up through through meeting self through another person um desire like all of it just yeah i mean it feels like this this almost last gasp of this learning we've been in with um making peace with some of this energy the scorpio energy in ourselves and in our partnerships yeah i'm getting this kind of like vague symbol in my mind i I don't totally understand it yet but let's talk it out so this is like you get you get to kind of summon up all of your wishes and all of your intentions because the new moon's all about intention. What what's your promise for the future? All of your intentions around how you want to just roll around in all of the muck of life and be here and be doing the feeling stuff and letting yourself get hurt and forgiving and going back in. You know, how are you going to do that? And so the symbol is like, you get this like wishing penny and you go up to this wishing well and you like put all of your, all of your hope and trust and dreams and like everything you're going to like promise yourself about intimacy and trust. You put it all in the penny and then instead of throwing the penny in the, into the wishing well, you just throw yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, F it. I'm yes, in. Yes. <laughs> and this is like the perfect, I mean, you've been the queen of segues on this one, but I'm going to like segue <laughs> this one. That is the perfect image to me of in Scorpio season, Jupiter entering Sagittarius. Yeah. Because there is this, I always, you know, whatever, I mean, maybe I try to drag Vegas into a lot of metaphors too, um, the same way I do Enya. <laughs> but I feel like there's a certain, this this kind of Vegas or this, whatever doesn't have to be a bachelorette party but if we want to use that as kind of the symbol or like a cultural touchstone there's this kind of gambling risky energy that we get i think when we hit the intersection of scorpio and sagittarius Mm. and we sort of split the difference between these signs you know there's a certain roll the dice there's a certain like effort go for it like exactly this image that you're saying of like yes and put it all in the well and like infuse it all in the well as such a scorpionic kind of environment and then and then just Sagittarius it and like <laughs> let it rip and like leap in, you know? And this entry of Jupiter into Sag, it's like, um, you know, it almost feels like 
you know, this, this sense of like, we've been doing, I don't know, I don't want to say like, how can it not be so hard? Cause that's not really what it is, but it's like, um, there's some enjoyment or there's some spreading, sharing, risking, gambling that can now come up in our lives again, um, around this sense of like, we've done a lot of like damn hard work, you know, and had all this, to me, Sagittarius is such a sign of like experiential learning as well. And being able to come into what we're here to kind of teach and give away that is born, that is born from the difficulty of our own experience, the difficulty mm-hmm. and the sweetness and everything in between. But it's like an experiential kind of knowledge that doesn't have to be proven or, you know, ultimately like traced back to like a guru or a book where we learned it or whatever it is. So it feels like very tied to the image that you're saying of like, whoop, and like, and off we go, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, are you, you must be like, pretty excited for Jupiter and Sag coming through the first house for you across your rise. Yes, I am excited. It's going to be a uh, I don't know how long. I I don't know how many months it'll be before. Oh, you mean the 12th? Yeah, right now my Ju- Jupiter's in the 12th. I use Placidus, so. Um non-jargon talk. <laughs> yeah. November 8th, Jupiter enters Sagittarius <laughs> and you, listener, can <laughs> look at where you have Sagittarius in your chart. And wherever that is, this is where the abundance, the expansion, the opening is happening. And so Jupiter is the ruler of the sign of Sagittarius. And so this is a big, for all of us, you know, maybe we can all kind of like get on our horse and start galloping across the field, you know, really riding the horse, really feeling like alive and the wind in our hair and a place to go, a destination in mind to just start to move and feel like we're not being, like we don't have to go back and fix everything from the past. We can start to move forward toward the vision we wanna see and get some momentum. It's upbeat. It's opening. It's big energy. We'll see, you know, over the year with Jupiter and Sagittarius, I'm sure we'll see a lot of blustering and a lot of um, bluntness and a lot of people just saying their opinions. So that's mm-hmm. nothing new, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels very connected to what you were speaking about earlier, Sandy, about, um, now I don't remember the woman's name, Edwin. Yeah. Um, about the why and finding your why and finding the excitement and the exhilaration in that. You know, and when you were speaking, I was thinking about literally the feeling of acceleration of you know that moment when you're in the plane and you're like tax or whatever taxing to be in line for takeoff and then the moment where you feel like it's it's a little more than just the regular taxi and the plane starts to really accelerate and then that moment of like you're just you're making the last point of contact between the ground and then Mm. that kind of wheels up sensation and where do you feel that in your life right now, you know, or has that feeling left your life, you know, and if so, you know, no, no problem, like nothing to, to effort around that, but just to notice, you know, where you might invite or be attracted to that energy or, or attract in that energy a little more in your life, um, because there, there is this kind of sense of wild and it's not wild, like stupid or uninformed kind of leaping that happens with this energy i mean it can't obviously anything can can you know and jupiter and sag can um go kind of excessive like i've stayed too long at the buffet and eaten all the things and gambled all my money away or whatever the thing is but 
you know, where in your life are you, uh, can you find the sense of exhilaration, you know, again, and, and trust in, in the, the entirety of your life experience that has brought you to this point that, that has your back, you know, that you're, you're going to be able to, you know, where can you open to risk, open to more risk, um, whatever that means for you. And it doesn't have to be in a, you know, humongous, insane way, you know, it can be very small kind of daily risk, risk practice or risk, risk tolerance practice, you know, um, that this, this energy really invites, I think. Yeah. Um, when you can get inspired by something, when, when you read a quote or you, um, have a true feeling that is welling up within yourself of like, yes, that's it. That makes, that turns me on. That gives me something to shoot for, something to think about. That's when you're living the, the Jupiter and Sagittarius <laughs> thing. And so how, how can you bring that kind of vibe into your life a little bit more? Does that mean you get, I mean, it depends on what for you makes that happen. I, I like reading inspiring quotes they do inspire me. I don't know if that's true for everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if that's your thing, you know, maybe that means every morning you try to read an inspiring quote. The idea here is like, how can you open the channel toward the bigger view that turns you on, that helps you feel connected to something to shoot for? Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, like there isn't necessarily a point and effort around that because Jupiter brings it in. Yeah. And wherever you have Jupiter in your chart, there might be some room for expansion just easily naturally happening. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it connects you to this Venus retro, which is coming to a close um, on the 16th, Venus stations direct. but it connects to that idea of the flap and also, mm. you know, if Jupiter is another kind of planet of receiving and, in, in, I mean, an expansion, but also, you know, being able to kind of be open to, I mean, expansion can be super frightening, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like up leveling or whatever you want to call it. And we get, we can get very closed up around those sensations, um, you know, in the, in the mind around that. But, um, you know, just like what is your flap regulation looking like or whatever. I keep like imagining this cat door or whatever the thing is, whatever other mechanism you have in your mind to think about regulating the inflow of something or the intake of something. Um, what are your holes looking like? Like where you receive things through? Um, you know, I don't necessarily mean your bodily holes, but you can use that if you want as an, as an image. Like what are you kind of taking in or what are you available to take in and um, you know, is there some, uh, some kind of like working around that regulation you want to explore if, if maybe you've been, um, there's been sort of excess in one area or you've been opening to a certain thing, a certain energy that actually doesn't feel very nutritive and, um, but yeah, to just be with this Jupiter, Jupiter entering Sag, super big energy to also be aware of what you're available to um to kind of lap up or to let in at the same time um you know just checking in to see if it's aligned or if it's if it's feeling good um because it's a it's a big energy for sure yeah um yeah i want to hit up the yeah you're gonna say something i was just going there i was skipping to the next point on on our get on in on our agenda (laughs) cosmic agenda yeah (laughs) november 15th mars enters pisces we did kind of like 
we keep brushing up against this like a cat grazing against your leg yeah because <laughs> it's pretty nice um what's your take uh, mars and pisces is an interesting one i've had um a number actually a handful of really uh both challenging and juicy well the same thing kind of I don't know. I've had a, a lot of relationships in my life, close, intimate relationships with Mars and Pisces mm. placements of, of individuals. I mean, this is obviously an energy that's moving through for the collective. Um, but I think in the early years of kind of grappling with this energy, um, I would shut down to it a lot or, or kind of, I don't know, I had this, I had notions about Mars, this kind of yang and being in Mars and Aries and like thinking like there's one way to effort things and like this is how, you know, like you burn through it and you like everything's above board and it's very conscious and it's very, um, you know, kind of phallic in this way. And Mars and Pisces energy, I was like, I don't know, I just had this very small mind around it being like not the correct use of martial energy or like, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Um, but I've come to really, really deeply appreciate this placement and it feels like it's happening right on time as things always do um, in this season because again, it's asking us to really consider that relationship between hardness and softness and, um, you know, everything that we've been kind of in learning with through Venus Retrograde. And... I, I heard three songs coming through when I was feeling into this. And the first was um, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, um, Come As You Are, um, of course. <laughs> and he is like a lot of Pisces placements. Uh, and the second was Hadaway, the 90s like dance song, What Is Love, Lady Don't Hurt Me. <laughs> and the third one was a Celine Dion song. Um, I forget the actual title of it, but the phrase, it might even be called If That's What It Takes. And it's basically the phrase in the song is, that's what I'll give if that's what it takes. Like, And it's, it's again, this kind of like the energy of these three songs are all like, there's a super intensity to them, similar to that kind of like Enya vibration, but it's also tenderized, you know? It's asking these big kind of questions and fighting for the place of our feelings at the table um, in, this, in this intense hardcore strong empowered way um you know around tenderness around you know what is love lady don't hurt me but it's like this like driving dance beat um so i really feel like mars and pisces is this opportunity for us to um to fight for the soft places in ourselves and in other people you know to continue some of this north noting cancer work that has begun um and also to look our Look to where, I mean, obviously when we talk about Pisces energy, we can talk in one expression of it about victim consciousness or kind of like what happens when we like kind of give it up completely to the, the universe, the world, whatever, and it's like lose personal power or boundaries are completely dissolved. But I don't feel like, I feel like as a collective, we're in a place where we're really poised to use this energy in a, in a very conscious, empowered way and to... Um, to yeah, use it to kind of champion the causes and the places in ourself that we've been, you know, that we've disowned or that we've considered to be weak. Um, and yeah, I think that's so beautifully that's all said. I've got for now, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fascinating that Mars is going into Pisces, and the next day, Mercury in Sagittarius goes retrograde. So that's already something I want to talk about, and. At the same time, Venus is going direct. 
In Libra. In Libra. So, so yeah, I think you're right on the money with, there's a lot going on here about how we're communicating, how we're loving, how we're relating, where, you know, how are we accepting other people? Where is the, the like true love? Where is it? Where, how do we say it? (laughs) What does it mean to have it in our hearts? And, how do we connect to others and and will we be able to do it in a way that's conscious or will we leave it unsaid will we leave it in the subconscious or do we is it a touch is it a gesture is it a smile on someone on the street a stranger is it an act of charity is it a volunteering thing is it something where you're 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 finding a way to orient yourself in terms of your mission, in terms of your ideals, and you're going back to fix something that you did in the past, and then you're, you know, maybe you're apologizing. Could you apologize for anything? Mm. Could you do that? Because if you could, what would open up then? Is there some amends you have to make? restitutions or I don't know if I'm using those words right but (laughs) I'm just sounds talking yeah (laughs) no and you're saying wait you just said um oh the word apologize you know and it's I don't know there's something there's something about like you have to be in a really um kind of solid place and it feels like in many ways we're coming to the end of Scorpio season we talked in near the beginning of our conversation today about Scorpio and the fixed signs being really about the stripping to the essential and that ultimately Scorpio energy and the collective invitation during Scorpio season is to to really ultimately be able to own all of these bits of yourself and in a way that you know what is essential to your kind of nature that can never be taken away from you. That's not, you know, they can weather these kind of cycles of like having and not having and death and rebirth and all of this and that there's something that is inside of you the the essence the essential and it you know it feels to me like the ability to apologize to someone you have to be Mm. such a bad like such a in in such an ownership of that essential part of yourself to be able to give it away and to be able to be vulnerable in that way and to be able to say Maybe if you haven't even quite even understood yet in that moment, and maybe it doesn't have to be a formal apology, but to go first, to, to just reach out and say, oh, yeah, maybe something that you brought forward, maybe that is a part of me that I could take a look at, or maybe there's something to explore here, or I didn't realize that that hurt in that way, or whatever. You've got to be really hardcore, like, you know, not to like keep using hardcore, softcore, or whatever, but um, which <laughs> relates kinda, to that kind of season. Yeah, I mean, it relates to the Boogie Nights situation as well, like hardcore, <laughs> softcore porn. But um, yeah, like to apologize, like that is, I mean, just the challenge of that, and to think about coming to the end of Scorpio season, and and to think about the ways in which we've come into ownership of all of those parts of ourselves and sloughed off some of this idea that we have to be ashamed of anything that gives us the gateway to not see that to be able to see other people in that way too Mm. and then and then it just becomes one big like party of human organs (laughs) 
don't know why that's the image, but um, yeah, and it's just like go first, yeah, say it first, or yeah, maybe I screwed up, or oh, I didn't know. You like, yeah, there isn't this like shielding, armoring, like for the next kind of blow or having to defend any part of yourself in that way. Yeah, does it feel like we're kind of maturing in this season? Like so yeah. many, so many planets and points are ingressing, and. Like we're all like we're all gonna kind of peel back new layers and kind of see what we became. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peeling back new layers and seeing what we became. It's there's some there's some image. It, this is not the image, but I was thinking almost like because it's not cryogenics, but it's something about like getting into some sort of casing and then like coming out of the casing. Cryogenics is a little well. I mean, it is kind of related to Scorpio. When I think of Scorpio's mm. water expression, it feels to me sometimes like ice, you know? And then at the mm-hmm. end of Scorpio season, it's sort of like melting the ice to see what's like been cryogenically frozen or whatever is like coming out to be like lived again after we've kind of incubated some of these things. But maybe that's stretching it a little bit. But I do think definitely this energy of of maturing. And I love this feeling of like the peeling back or the reveal of like what's been cooking, you know, or what's been like, underneath the Biore portrait. <laughs> this is like, if you're like eating dinner right now or like preparing a meal, you're like, this is the most disgusting thing. <laughs> yeah, we should have a disclaimer at the beginning. Do not yeah. eat food while listening to yeah, this podcast. Yeah, please. No, it's not this one. It's not too, I mean, it's yeah. perfectly appropriate for Scorpio season. Oh yeah, let's get gross. Yeah, yeah, we gotta get a little gross. Yeah. Gotta get in the mud, gotta peel back the Biore strips. Yeah. And have some, yeah, it's to have some humor about it too. Right. Um, yeah, because this this energy tells us, yeah, that it's it's intense and it's and it's like the sensation of being a human is a super rollicking raw one. But would we have it in any other way? You know, did you come here to have like a kind of monotone, you know, kind of um, sensationless experience? You right. Know? No. Right. <laughs> like. Right, and maybe there's something to say here about judgment. You know, like, are you, like, can you not judge all of the wily, intricate, gross parts of your experience? And if you cannot judge whatever is really going on with you, like, maybe it makes it easier to not judge someone else and all the stuff they're going through. And, like, let's just be living it and really with it so that way we can hold more space for other people and the experience of being human. Yeah, like living, staying close to the grain of experience, you know, and I feel like both Scorpio and Sag take us there. They take mm-hmm. us into kind of the vi- the visceral in different ways. Um, yeah, and it's no accident, obviously, that you use the word judgment, which is in the tarot is naturally ruled by Pluto, which is the natural ruler of Scorpio mm. and is about deep healing on a collective level of um, shame, you know, yeah. and of, of the ways in which we classify our own experience that then extend harm into the collective because we've, you know, we've apportioned parts of ourselves off as not fit for the whole. Um, so, yeah, lots to snack on, guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you want to dive more into um, cosmic musings, you can find us on thenuminous.com. Between the and numinous, there's a little dash. Or on Instagram at, at the underscore numinous. And in the coming months, starting during Sagittarius season, 
we're going to have more episodes for you guys that are sparked by the transits and the energies of the season, um, but are intended as kind of perennial astrological teachings and little mini lessons. So Yeah. So if someone had a request for a topic they'd like to hear about, or if they want to give us some feedback on the podcast, where would they email? Yeah. Well, you can actually just email me. And my name is Bess. (laughs) (laughs) It's B-E-S-S. And it's Bess at the dash numinous n-u-m-i-n-o-u-s which i'm assuming if you're listening to that po- the podcast you can also find obviously in the podcast um dot com and please send us along um anything that you're interested in hearing about um either astrology or tarot topics and we will do our best to um deliver on yeah. those and one last thing please subscribe please follow us please like the podcast it makes a big difference for us And thank you so much. We look forward to chatting with you on the other side (laughs) as we move into Sagittarius Town. All right. Until then, be well, everyone. Bye-bye.